Hello, everyone. I hope all is well. Um, yeah, thanks for, for joining us on a Thursday instead of Tuesday. Um, yeah, and we've got a special guest today, uh, Tori. Um, I was going to say all the way from Pembrokeshire, but no, all the way from Cardiff. You, you're, mm. you're from South Wales now, right? Exactly. <laughs> and only a few miles away from here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about today. And, and thanks for, um, you know, putting your 12, 13 year calendar for Thursday. Um, I can see we've got some um, usual suspects on. We've got Sophie, we've got Simon, Jerome. Of course, Jerome is on today. Uh, who we got? We've got Bri Bri, Marky V. Marky V, you're in the country. What's going on? Or are you in some exotic location? Great to see you on. Andrew, Sam. I'm going to guess that Marky V's in Cambodia. He's always somewhere He's in Asia, there. isn't he? In a, um, in a, you know, just to be ultra prepared, I, I haven't put my glasses on. So um, you can't read this. Absolutely not. <laughs> that's that's may as well be hieroglyphs. I know. Well, I I, I can translate for you. Um, anyway, like I said, really excited to have you on today, Tori. Thanks for for coming into Evertrack HQ. Um, and yeah, it'd be great to. I know. I know. We're going to talk. Obviously, we're going to talk about mountains and Everest. Um, but it'd be nice to hear a bit more about who Tori is. You know, mm. maybe you know how it started. Um, maybe what got you into what eventually led to my Everest um, and mountains, yeah, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for the invite That's to come it. in. Hey, <laughs> any time, Tori, you want 12.30 on a Tuesday, you, <laughs> oh, you can sorry. just turn up. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, it's great to be here. Mm. And um, wow, um, yeah, I'm feeling quite old now. Um, no. <laughs> some of these... Um, <laughs> things are a long a long time ago but um yeah. i mean going back to where i grew up i grew up in west wales in Pembrokeshire yeah. on a farm so you know just from those early years had such an outdoor way of life yeah. and had to get used to going out whatever the weather yeah which i, I think is a key skill really when it comes to yeah definitely <laughs> definitely i'm working on it <laughs> working on it cold water day yeah um so yeah, loved, loved exploring, yeah. you know, lots of classic kind of kids' adventurous stuff, building yeah. dens and bridging streams and building nice. go-karts and just raiding, you know, my dad's workshop for yeah. whatever yeah. You know, we could find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and getting into scrapes as well, getting things yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I think one thing I reflect on quite a lot is yeah. farms are dangerous places. And so that judgment of risk yeah. as well, like learning to yeah take responsibility for yourself yeah yeah um you know you listen to what your parents tell you but also you're out there playing on your own and you've got to use your eyes and look at what's going on see i love that i love that it, it, it is it is <laughs> amazing when you send people out because now i think maybe we're a little bit more protective as a as a as a society as a whole. Yeah. But I actually I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up in Newport, which meant that you had to have a similar level of self awareness for your own safety. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I love that the idea that you can go out, get into trouble, get into scrapes, come back, learn from that, and think, yeah, I won't get caught next time because I've learned that. <laughs> I'll mm. do that. Um, yeah. So what, what? So do you think you've always had that then? Ever since you were a kid, do you think that 
the farm was your first sort of Himalaya. That was your first area for adventure. The farm was just brilliant. But what's interesting yeah. is that, um, so I have a sister um, and I was born in a blizzard and she was born in a heat wave. Okay. And if you look at what we love to do now, I'll head for the cold and she'll opt for the beach holiday. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, is there something in that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. I think you were forged in the hardship <laughs> of, the, of the blizzard. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because you think, are you born a certain way or is it nurtured? Yeah. You know, because there is that, mm. that, you know, that thing, isn't it? Um, about, especially your early years, what you're into. And certainly for me, my, my dad used to take me, he used to play football every Saturday and Sunday in every weather. And I think it's one of the reasons now I just, I don't even think about the bad weather. Mm. It's just a thing you deal with. Mm. Obviously, like you said earlier about danger and managing certain things, I had to manage that on the sidelines about freezing to death watching my dad play football. <laughs> There's but nothing it, worse than standing on the side of a cold I know, I'd rather be moving. But, you know what I mean? It's oh, a, yeah. Yeah, no, fathers are very selfless like that. My dad used to drag me there, even though I had no interest in football from an early age. But actually, me and my brother couldn't be more different in terms of he's got zero interest in going outside in bad weather and climbing <laughs> hills. And he was the one that always moaned a lot when we got got taken somewhere yeah, so yeah. I think it is an innate quality as uh, certain people have that I used to, okay I'm in the car now let's see what happens yeah. okay yeah. I'm on a field this is this is cold <laughs> but uh yeah but yeah. amazing it, it, it that early, the early years though do forge what you kind of do later on don't they mm. well they certainly like with yourself then you know from your early years on on the farm there what was your first like you can remember your proper adventure um <clears throat> I'll always be grateful for some of the youth organisations yeah. that I got involved with because my mum and dad never took me camping, okay? Yeah. That just wasn't something that we did as a family. But I got those early camping experiences with Girl Guiding. Okay, awesome. And then yeah. uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's award. Yeah. And one of the first... Oh, my goodness, it still stands in my memory. Um, I travelled with 4th Haverford West guides yeah. on a coach all the way to Adelboden in Switzerland. Nice. Uh, to visit our chalet, which is one of the World Guide yeah. Centres. And then there was a small group of us who were deemed, I don't know, the slightly fitter ones yeah. of the group. And we were picked to do a dawn ascent of a mountain in the Alps. Amazing. Now, don't ask me how tall this mountain was. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. And I don't even know which one it was. Yeah. But I still remember that kind of trepidation and excitement of setting off in the darkness yeah. just with head torches and I still get that same excitement today when yeah. I when you yeah. when you start at night <clears throat> or, or you're, you you know you're traveling at night in in the mountains um and I just remember getting to the top of this peak for sunrise looking out you know across the, the Swiss Alps and um, I just sat in awe and there's a picture of us all just sitting out looking yeah. at the view and it's it's never left me and I yeah. think without realizing it that was something that I was chasing you know from I think I was 13 years old wow so there was wow. the seed was sown yeah absolutely about future sunrises <laughs> 13 what's yeah. amazing though is what about seven years later were you how old were you when you were 25 right 25, 25. so I remember being 25 and <laughs> I can't reconcile my experience as a 25-year-old with yours. must have been so wildly different. I'd love to know what initially set your heights, uh, your eyes on the sort of Everest, the Himalaya at 25. Mm. Because you were the youngest 
British female to mm-hmm. summit Everest. Yeah. You were the first Welsh woman to summit Everest. So you got you got two there. Mm. Just yeah, for nice one. on the summit, by the way. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, for some, for a lot of people, it, yeah. it's a childhood dream, but it <clears> wasn't <throat> the case for yeah. me. It, it never popped into my mind yeah. that I might one day you know, have the ability to do that. For me, it was this gradual process of picking off slightly bigger challenges yeah. all the time. Yeah. So um, from my Gold Duke of Edinburgh's award, well, what's next? I can walk 50 miles. What else can I do? Yeah. Then I joined uh, British Exploring, uh, longest running youth expedition yeah, charity right. in the UK. Yeah. Um, there I met two other women who... Um, we found out about this race to the magnetic North Pole. This was going to be 360 miles on skis across the frozen sea ice of the Arctic. And uh, no all-female team had ever made it to the finish line of this race before. So there was loads of incentives to to do that. And so that was the next big thing for me. Um, I had to learn to ski, which I did in the yeah. space of nine months. Yeah. Um, you, you just learned. I, I just you, learned last year. Yeah. 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 As I said, I'm probably the best skier in Newport. Now. Uh, <laughs> you did well. There's three I of us. Andorra. Yeah. yeah. And, Andy was my uh, instructor. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, you know, that took me, in fact, that, that taking on the polar challenge yeah, yeah. was almost a bigger step for me than committing to saying, I'm going to try and climb to the summit of Mount Everest because yeah. it took me from someone who was relatively sporty at school, yeah. competitive, yes, um, to someone who all of a sudden was doing something that I just read about in books yeah. or saw on the television. Yeah. You know, um, you, I saw these people dressed in all the gear, you know, for the Arctic. And before I went and did it, I, I thought to myself, you know, I want to be. I want to be that person. I want to be in those pictures. Um, And so having come back successfully then from uh, this, the the Polar Challenge, uh, we came sixth out of 16 teams. I suddenly had this, well, completely new sense of what was possible. However, um, it was my boyfriend at the time that said, well, what about Everest? And at first I said, no way. Yeah. No way. It was too big. Um, I I thought the the risks were too great. I just thought I could never do that. And then I discovered that no woman from Wales had ever climbed to the top. And what that did was it was a coming together of these feelings that I'd had growing up at school where I'd seen my peers represent um, Wales in various sporting activities. And I'd always kind of admired people who flown the flag for their country in in many different ways and it was this coming together of my love of the outdoors of the mountains of challenge and hang on a minute i I could yeah potentially just maybe maybe that's (laughs) amazing i love that the idea that it starts off small you know it starts off as a pebble and then you all you got to do is just give it a little push and then just by a process of doing what it's doing, you know, you're going to achieve bigger and greater things. And um, I think that resonates a lot with me, Andy, and our customers as well. I was well. going to say, on my wrist there, it says, what does it say? Started, Started as, as a pebble. pebble. Yep. Ah. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was from Jen when we first met. I still got it, I know. <laughs> Cheesy. Yeah. Started as a pebble, turned into an avalanche. But we won't talk about avalanches. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, we don't talk yeah, about the avalanche. It doesn't yeah, yeah. say that on the wristband. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but no, but I think a lot of people resonate with that because when they are at home, and I was a late, 
like I, I had an idea in my mind from a very early age that I wanted to go out and do stuff, but I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it, I think I felt the pressure of needing to get a job and mm. needing to earn money. And I didn't choose a life of adventure right away. It came when I was probably closer to 30. And I remember now looking back how big the challenge seemed in my own mind just to yeah. book on a trek because mm. it was always something that some other people had done. Mm. But actually, now in retrospect, I realized that it was a very easy and small thing for me to do. But overcoming that first mental hurdle is amazing. Yeah. Mm. And there was something we, I did mention it earlier when we were meeting and we, I try not to give away all the gold. <laughs> one thing I, I saw on one of your talks was imagine what you could achieve if you knew you wouldn't fail. Mm. And I thought, like, that's, that's an outstanding yeah, like way that. to look at like it. If you, if you had that mindset from the beginning and you started everything you did with that mindset, even if you did, you know, fall short on a handful of occasions, you'd look back at a lifetime's yeah. work and what you would have achieved would have been outstanding. It's that fear of failure that stops so many of us yeah. going for what we really want to go for. Yeah. Um, but... That fear, fear is a good thing. You know, fear is what keeps us safe. Fear yeah. is what keeps us focused on the goal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, in taking on Everest and, and many of my challenges, yeah. there has been an equal amount of excitement and apprehension. And that yeah. apprehension, it's all wrapped up in that fear of failure. What if I make a fool out yeah. of myself? Yeah. It keeps you on your toes, doesn't it, I suppose? And I think a lot of Evertrekkers who are on here now, you know, they would... I know the, some of these challenges are very different, but they're their own Everest. You know, they're, they're, they go go into Everest Base Camp, summit in Mount Tubcal in Morocco. Even if it's Machu Picchu, you know, it's it's a it's a goal that's there, and it does keep you on your toes in terms of your prep for it. <clears throat> Certainly, you mentioned there about the danger. It's good oh. to have a little bit of fear because it protects you, keeps you safe, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're it focuses on your mind. You're crossing a ladder, for instance. Um, I'm sure you do that in the house, you know, painting, whatever. And, <laughs> but going across a crevasse, where, you know, on the ladder, you focus on each step at mm. that moment in time. Um, and I can imagine that as you got higher, I, I think you know that the danger's there, but you manage it. Right? You, you can manage that danger in, in a lot of ways. And I think what you're sort of saying there is, yeah. Uh, yeah, on Everest you've got to cross ladders and it is about each individual step. And... When you're setting yourself a big goal, often you're thinking too far ahead. Yeah. You're worrying about what might happen in the future. Whereas you've got to ask yourself, what can I do today yeah. that is going to positively influence the goal that I have set myself? And it's about doing really, really small things. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to maybe getting down to a bit of fitness training or, or um, you know, whatever you need to do, Sometimes, I don't know, we all run out of time, don't we? And you think, yeah. oh, well, I haven't got time to do the hours training session I should have done today. But if you can't do an hour, do half an do hour. Some, yeah, do yeah, something. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, don't beat yourself <clears throat> up that you haven't, you know, managed it. Yeah. Something is better than nothing. Um, and, and, yeah, that, and if you can just inch yourself towards your goal, yeah. Yeah. You, you'll get there. Yeah, that. there's there's an amazing book that was recommended to you by Jen again, actually. It was recommended to me, and because um, I always said that I really struggled to... It's atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Yeah. And the, the reason they call it Atomic Habits, and it's about a lot of different things about how you can make changes in your life by changing the smallest thing which, which the atomic comes from. And it does say that by, by adopting the mindset of, do you know what, I'm going to go out for a five-minute walk today yeah. on lunch, and that's how I'm going to start. 
and then but that five minute walk it, it in in itself means more to the act of developing the habit and starting something than it does in itself and um yeah that's I, I think that's a really big key there for me especially with the fitness yeah. thing you've you mean i imagine you've been fit all your life because in all the research we've done of you i don't know if you've ever there didn't seem to be Some a bit where you, it didn't seem a bit where you said you know from 2009 to 2012 i didn't do anything <laughs> you know? well let me uh, well, no, i've experienced having to go back to basics um yeah. it, you know in the last few years so yeah. i've had two children yeah um uh, through my second pregnancy, I really just kept fit through walking yeah. um, and, and not running. And I had an ankle injury and, and so on. Walking, by the way, kept me amazingly fit, you know, through pregnancy and out at the other side. Um, but then when I did start getting back into running, it was a, it was like a, you know, couch to 5K yeah. um, training plan yeah, for me, yeah. starting from scratch. Yeah. And it's hard. You know, I remember doing those first sort of two or three kilometers thinking, yeah. you know, how, yeah. This is going to be a long that, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing that. and so encouraging <clears throat> as well because to hear someone that has done the things that you've done say, oh, I really struggled with that first two kilometers is amazing because yeah. lots of people, myself included, are, we're yo-yo people, you know, like I'm fit when I'm doing something, but when I'm unfit, I'm not. Yeah. And then when, it, when I'm at my lowest, I think that's it, it's done. But actually, you know, I think if someone that's, you know, been to the North Pole, been to Everest, oh, the other thing, the beeline. Beeline. Beeline looked amazing. Beeline was incredible. So yeah. Beeline Britain. Yeah. Land's End yeah. to John O'Groats, but not in the traditional way. And I can't take any credit for this idea. I have to um, mention uh, Ian O'Grady, whose yeah. idea it was to travel between those two iconic UK yeah. locations, but in a straight line. Amazing. And, you know, yeah. when we f first sort of mentioned it to people, they'd be like, oh, so where does that straight line go? Does it take you through Manchester? Get a map out, get a ruler. A lot of water, yeah. isn't it? A lot of, there's <laughs> a, a lot of water, water in there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Uh, and that first leg from Land's End across the widest mouth uh, of the Bristol Channel yeah. goes straight across to, to Pembrokeshire, West Wales, where I, awesome. I grew up. Um, and that in itself was a 210 kilometre stretch of water. We were told by some really you know, professional, uh, experienced sea kayakers that it was not possible there's your fuel yeah. <laughs> exactly and and this is where it became it was a really different challenge for me because yeah. people before me had reached the summit of everest people before me had got to yeah. the magnetic north pole in this race yeah. no one had done the paddle that we set yeah. out to do and as a team um, of four of us we i think we believed yeah. we believed it was possible and and that that's so much about what we're talking about yeah. today and making your goals happen. You've got to believe. Yeah. And you and, and this is where visualization comes in, you know? Yeah. I, oh, I'm jumping around a bit here, but when I sat down for Everest with um, the guy who was training with us, Dr. Justin Roberts, he said, Tori, can you see yourself on Everest? Yeah. My quick answer to that was yes. I'd already painted this you know, visual image of me yeah. on, on the summit. Don't get me wrong though, there were days where I was failing. I was having dreams, real dreams mm. at nighttime where it all went wrong. But it's about bringing yourself back to what you want to happen. And the same with Beeline Britain, just believing that if, if we got the right weather conditions, <laughs> that is a big if yeah. in itself that, that we might get there. So 
uh, yeah, 28 days uh, it took us uh, in sea kayaks, yep. on road bikes, on mountain bikes, and on foot uh, over the Cairngorms. And did you, was it the longest open sea yeah, UK kayak? In UK waters. Yeah. So that sea kayak alone took us 34 and a half hours of non-stop kayaking. That's amazing. I mean, we did canoeing once and we had to swap the kayak <laughs> because you had the kayak. This is on the this, this is on the river, <laughs> the river Wye into Hereford. Very similar to what very similar to what you experienced, Tori. <laughs> um, occasionally, ducks would land. That would cause ripples and uh, I had a go in his kayak and I think half an hour later I was like my back is killing me I want to get back in the, in the canoe so quite your size what, what, so 30 how many hours 34 and a half so what do you do for 34 hours in a kayak to keep yourself from saying do you know what this is done they were right yeah, um, we talked a lot of nonsense. Yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we, they were an entertaining yeah. bunch that I uh, did this with. Um, I mean, yeah, we sang songs. Yeah. Uh, we sang one man went to mow, went to mow a meadow, but a slightly different version. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Can imagine. Uh, yeah. And it, um, it, whatever you did, he got you through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were there were dark times. There yeah. were times when I was falling asleep, like like this, you know, and trying to paddle, and yeah. Ian would sort of get his paddle and like hit me over the yeah. <laughs> head. Wake up! Wake Come up! Come on! I'm dragging you. Ears. That's like, it. You, you you expect rough seas, weather, darkness, tiredness, and and then concussion <laughs> <laughs> from your from your from your partner. But um, it's epic though. I mean, because and again, there's elements of danger in that as well. You're in open sea. You know, it is obviously weather can be a big factor. Tide, there's a lot going on there, isn't it? And it's not easy. Loads. It's not an easy 200 kilometres. No, we started off with unprecedented weather conditions, yeah. as in good. You've <clears throat> never seen a sea so flat and calm. I mean, I, I know for sure that um, sea kayakers wait sometimes years to get the right weather conditions just to paddle from Ireland back yeah, across yeah. to Wales. Um, <clears throat> We lucked out. Um, the guys had done a lot of research into when, which time of year would be good. Yeah. May was chosen. Uh, we pinpointed the 18th of May. And in the end, we had to frantically pull everything forward by 24 hours. Um, but yeah, about 24 hours into our, our paddle, um, yeah, the sea conditions were really at the limit of what we can han could yeah. handle. And had we capsized, it would have been game over. We. Dodgy. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, fair news, though. Epic, guys. And, and then the tides as well, you know, my heart, I don't think I've ever felt so deflated. Yeah. We were potentially a few hours from reaching the coast of Pembrokeshire and we had a support boat yeah. that, that tracked us and uh, we were in contact with them, but doing a lot of our own nav yeah. uh, navigation. And they were looking at the tides and they came over the radio and they said, the tides are such that you might not make land. Yeah, we uh, don't think you're going to be able to paddle against the tide. Yeah. And so after about 30 hours of nonstop paddling, the four of us had to paddle the hardest that we had ever, ever paddled on any training yeah. paddle that, that we did. Especially the end as well. well I, knackered, right? Yeah, I it, bet was, oh, it was brutal. The, absolutely brutal. It's like hitting the hill every step, I get it, is it? <laughs> you get there, you're like, oh, all right. It, <laughs> Yeah, and it's where you dig deep because yeah. 
you've got no choice. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. You can't, you, you, it's a long like, way back. You can't give up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can imagine, though, how exhausted... When you're that physically exhausted and sleep-deprived yeah. and probably cold and wet, to hear that news and then to think... <laughs> literally over my dead body yeah. <laughs> you know i am going for pembroke come hell or high water um that's amazing because yeah i i, I would have i like to think i'd react in the same way but there's a part of me that probably would have gone go, yeah i'd get that boat over here so i've done i, I paddled a little bit in in pembroke around where was it down towards st david's way mm-hmm. around the coast and it's it was knackering. It was like two hours. Yeah. So, honestly, fair news. Um, Tori, I'm going to... There's loads of cues coming we've had before already, and, and some of it we've already touched on. So we're going to jump to some questions, if that's all mm. um, And you. to everyone on the live as well, any questions, do drop them in the comments just so we can, um, yeah, just chat about some of the subjects I'm just reading. Yeah, sure. So, uh, some of the, the comments as well, just around what you're saying. What was that book called again? Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Monica was asking, I'm sorry, Monique was asking. Um, what was, what yeah, was it's not strictly about sort of exercise or anything like that. It's just about adopting new ways and mindsets about how to change aspects of yourself. So mm-hmm. they, they touch on, you know, quitting smoking and things like that. No journey um, starts about the first step. I love that. Yeah. One of the things is to like change the, your, yeah. what you said about visualization. Like if you see yourself as someone who has summited Everest, the chances of you being able to summit Everest a lot more. And they talk about that in the book. You know, you need to see yourself as a non-smoker or as someone that can run a marathon mm. right at the very beginning before you've even done anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, Visualization. Yeah. Um, Shelley Nix has asked a question. Yeah, Shelley's got a few. <laughs> uh, she's asked a. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the top one. Um, yeah. Which were your toughest moments on Everest? Ooh, straight, in, straight into it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he- the he- headaches um, yeah. that you have to cope with, that acclimatisation process. And I think, you know, some of the hardest moments were, were before base camp. Really? Uh, whether that's just me yeah, and how yeah. I acclimatise. Mm. Yeah. Um, because then, you know, you get to base camp, that's at about sort of 5,300 metres. Yeah. Then you've been in Nepal for you know over two weeks and your body is adjusting it is yeah. making more red blood cells yeah. so uh, th- those headaches um, on a daily basis just getting out of your warm sleeping bag yeah. every morning you know it's not the, the hard stuff that we might perceive but you know when the, the inside of your ice is uh, t- sorry tent is caked yeah. in ice Amazing. and um, be- because you know, that that's when it's really uncomfortable. Once, yeah. once you're, you know, <clears throat> trekking or climbing and you, you've created that lovely kind of constant, you know, warm, yeah. you know, temperature and you, um, you, you sort of microclimate yeah. within your clothing. Wild, yeah, you, you, yeah, you're good. Um, but I think, yeah, one of the most challenging moments uh, on Everest was uh, when our team had, had come across a fatality. Yeah. Um, it was between, um, it was on the way from Camp 2 uh, to Camp 3. Um, and yeah, tragically, um, oh, a climber had been knocked yeah. off, off the Lhotse face. And for quite some time, over 24 hours, I didn't want to be there. And I yeah, just thought, stuff, this, this isn't worth it. Yeah, this I think it reminds you, because Obviously, we go to Everest Base Camp, you know, we do other peaks, but and, and, and you want to manage that danger as much as you can. But it certainly reminds you of how dangerous mountains can be at any point. 
you know, which, and it is part of it, isn't it? You know, I mean, Everest, unfortunately, every year there seems to be, especially earlier this year, a lot of fatalities, and even with benefits, technology, you know, equipment, you'd like to think better planning, but unfortunately things just ha can happen, can't mm. they? Yeah. So yeah, I can imagine that must have been playing on your mind for a while. Yeah, definitely, it must have been quite tough. Took, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I did, I, I really considered. Yeah calling it yeah, a day yeah. and, and going home. I think as well, as humans, we do protect ourselves, don't we? There is an element of self-preservation. Yeah, not quite, not quite denial, but it's it's like, there's a belief that that won't happen to you, Yeah, mm -hmm. you know? And then when you're confronted with it, mm. I, I think anybody would have those doubts and start to think, wow, if that happened to that yeah. person, and I'm here, maybe, you know, because for me, I often get like, like an imposter syndrome feeling when I'm t taking on my biggest challenges. And sometimes when I see things like go wrong, I think, wow, if like, how, why am I okay then if that yeah. happened? But actually I think given time, you can process that and get back into your routine and do what you did. So um, yeah, but that must've been tough. Must've been really tough. Mm. Yeah. You know, bring it a different way now. There's a question from Brian, which I think is really important to ask. Did you have a beer in the uh, Irish bar in Namche? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just to bring it down a bit. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't recall having one there, but what my big memory yeah. um, was having been successful, climbed, uh, returned from the summit into base camp. I was greeted with a can of San Miguel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was amazing. At Everest base camp, as I as I returned, I yeah. still had my 90 litre rucksack on my back and I, I stood there with this can and somebody had to tap me on the shoulder and say, you can take your rucksack off now. <laughs> I You've suppose done you should it. be carrying yeah. it. I, I was on such a high, it was, yeah. like, it was part of me, you know, I didn't even notice yeah. that, it, that it was on there. That first <laughs> base camp, yeah. That, you know, the bride brings it, Bruise it down a level <laughs> to, to, to somewhere we all want to operate at, you know. But yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah. But great, great bar that is. Um, just around altitude as well, um, Helen. Actually, um, I'd love to know when you did your first high altitude trek, and also as well, what made you then want to do Everest? And I think we've already touched on it. But what was your first step at altitude? Um, <clears throat> Jebel Tubkar. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, nice. was probably, yeah, so I was yeah. a university student, ah. part of the Expedition Society at Royal Holloway University. Yeah. Um, How did you find that when you first did it? Uh, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah I do get headaches. Yeah. I, 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 take, I would say I take um, longer to acclimatise than yeah. others, just okay. as a rough, you know, yeah. uh, if, if I'm part of a group. Um, and then, yeah, went on to do um, some things in the French Alps, yeah. Mont Blanc. So then we're up over 5,000 yeah. meters. Nice. Still wasn't put off. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting. And, and, and I think a lot of people on the live today will resonate with that because, you know, they've done a lot of our trips. You know, they've had the headaches, not feeling they don't want to eat, you know, the, the early symptoms of, mm. of altitude sickness. So it, it's part of your body's adjusting. And it's, it's good, though, what you said there about, you know, accepting it's not as long as it doesn't go too dangerous, you know, there's a level, isn't it? There's a line, it's, it's yeah. It's part of the yeah. adjustment. Don't be put off by that, I suppose, is um, what clearly you push through that kind of, okay, this is just my body dealing with the altitude. Mm. Yeah, you, know? you, you have to pay attention to it. And yeah. I know, you know, organisations like yours yeah. are good at working with individuals, monitoring how they feel on a day-by-day -day yeah. basis. And, you know, if those headaches don't go away, you yeah. can't ignore it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have to descend. But, um, yeah, I always felt I was kind of, <clears throat> you know, in control and yeah. kind of getting, getting to know 
gets yeah. through my body. I guess it's when it stops you doing the normal functions, you know. So if you're not yeah. able to get up, walk, have a cup of tea or coffee, then mm. it's a problem. But um, yeah, certainly the headaches, I think, are, it's like you just got to force your body to adjust. Like it's used to living at sea level, especially <laughs> where we live. So, I mean, just adjusting it to being in Nepal and in the Himalaya with a change of diet and all that sort of stuff. I find I do, I do have to force myself to kind of get there. Um, Steve has asked um, about families and kids. So how do you get your children into the outdoors without putting them off? And, <laughs> and, what, and, uh, and what do your family think of you um, going off and doing all of these crazy adventures yeah um well yeah i mean i uh, didn't have any uh, children yeah, when yeah, i did, yeah. uh, did these things um i do now uh, my kids my son is six and my daughter's three and uh, they're they're just getting to understand yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> what, what it is <laughs> um but i mean yeah oh bringing up kids just get them outside that's yeah. uh, that's what i say i mean um at its simplest, some of the best things that we do, particularly here in South Wales, yeah. will be to go to places like Kenfig Dunes. Oh, yeah, they nice absolutely too. love you know, finding all those yeah. little paths yeah. that wind their way from the car park to the sea. They're safe, yeah. they can fall over, they can choose their own routes. Um, it gives them that kind of um, confidence and like like self-navigation yeah. skills any kind of woodland walks uh, are great for that um yeah at the moment it's not necessarily about getting to the top of big big peaks yeah. at the minute it's about i mean I, i'm a i'm a geographer i love yeah. landscapes and and different environments so it's about getting them to expose to all of these different yeah. places um you know my son loves you know a bit of climbing on the rocks by the beach and, and yeah. things um you know we we've done some indoor climbing well he's actually done a bit of outdoor climbing without yeah. me um cycling is massive for us as a family yeah. at the moment um I got them both on balance bikes really early on. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, that gives them a, a sense of what they're physically capable of. Yeah. Um, so it's the sea, doesn't it? Like, especially mm. what you said there about going to, like, Kenfig Sands and, sorry, that's, is it Kenfig Sands? Kenfig Dunes, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know, I've been surfing at Kenfig Sands yeah, a bunch of times. Awesome there. Bit of a walk. Yeah. Carrying a board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I used to be knackered by the time I get in the sea and I'm like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that is a great place for kids, isn't it? I don't yeah. know, you know, a lot of our customers around the UK and um, any anywhere you can go that kind of, you know, okay, you're, you're thrown in the deep end a bit, but it just has a little bit of danger there. Getting, you know, like I said, they've got to navigate themselves if they can. I love that stuff. Um, you know, it brings us back to like when I was a kid and like you said earlier, going off and building dens and streams and stuff like that. It all starts like that, doesn't it? Before those adventures become bigger. Yeah. And sometimes as well, I think, and a lot of, I think Evertrackers might connect with this where, you know, you've got your work life and you've got your family life and then you've got all the adventure stuff and it's hard to find time for all of it sometimes, especially with the pressures of life. But then you, you mentioned earlier about doing something, even if it's something small, to kind of make it moves you forward to that. Because a lot of our ever trekkers are, um, you know, they, they haven't done ever space camp until they're like in their 50s, for example. They found adventure kind of later in life. And, and almost now it's like, what well, I'm going to do, I'm motivated now. I know I can do that. I've got ever space camp here. I've got Tube Cal. 
And it's interesting, but that seed probably would have been sown when they were younger, I reckon, mm. even though now it's kind of blossomed. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's a really good questions there. There's a bunch of them as well. Obviously, a lot of altitude yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, Simon has asked, um, uh, of all your adventures, um, which is your favourite and are you most proud of? Ooh, it's so, so hard to, to split them because yeah. they're, they're all... They're all so so different. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess it'd be like picking between your children, really, wouldn't it? You know, they're, 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 they're all different but loved equally. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, they 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 yeah so different, and I think yeah. I, I can't, yeah, I can't, I couldn't pick. Yes, that's one. fair. Adventurous life, that's, that's your favourite, I suppose. Any, any, any adventure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's the people that you do it with yeah. and those memories that stand out, the camaraderie yeah. and the friendships that come off the back of these yeah. things. Yeah, exactly, the people you meet. It's Because sometimes we talked about as well, like obviously you, know, you go into an awesome place like Everest Base Camp and... As Dave said uh, before the live, you know, it is a convenient place, X on the map that you can journey to. And it's, but it's the people you meet along the way and the friends you make. I know a lot of Evertrekkers who they go on a trip, you know, they make friends with the group and then they go on other trips together. Mm. And especially, I'm sure, like, go back to what you said about that, that journey across the Bristol Channel mm. and some of the things you did to sing and do all that stuff. But <laughs> afterwards, you know, you become mates and it's something that you can always talk about the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's one thing I think a big thing about adventure is if you share it with people. Mm. It's just you got lifelong friends. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. I think even even from a young a young age you mentioned cycling. I see I love cycling. I think it's one of the best things that like any child can do. Yeah. For me, I I, I always I think I over romanticize cycling because I think as a kid it's the first time I ever really felt like that I was an individual separate from my house. Yeah. Um, like you get a bike, you go down to the end of your street, and that's normally where you'd probably stop. But you take a left, you take a right, your mum can't see you anymore. And then uh, you realise you're alone on my bike. And for me, I always think that was probably the first adventure I ever went on. And it was probably a mile from my house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no, no one was there to help me if something happened and it felt exhilarating. Yeah, it's that independence. And I really do believe in <laughs> The joy of riding a bike. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've cycled the length of New Zealand. Uh, yeah, with, awesome. with a, I knew you'd have to take it that far. <laughs> 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 um, which, on, on the, in terms of the level of challenge, it wasn't yeah. perhaps as extreme as, as some of the others. Yeah. But my goodness, what a journey. And yeah. travelling by bike allows you to really take in yeah. things around you at a yeah. speed that, you know, the brain can, can process. Yeah. Um, Instead of just driving through it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really, really different. Um, and I and a lot of the things I'm doing at the moment are, are around uh, cycling. So I've yeah. set up a bike bus at my son's school oh, together nice. with some other brilliant parents and, and teachers from the school, all, yeah. all volunteering yeah. to get get young people on bikes, enable them to cycle to school um, and have an adventure before nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and we have music. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, uh, which which is an apology on the way to <laughs> well, Yeah, don't joke. I mean, it's, it's all about... Yeah, it motivates you. Right? <laughs> um, it, 
We've got a lot of questions. I'm conscious of time, so what, I'm going to... Fire, fire them away. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Quick fire. Um, single or two-man kayak when you went across the... Oh, do, yeah, two-man, two double. Man, yeah. yeah, for safety. Better engine. Yeah, two together, two yeah. Two paddles. Yep. Um, next challenge? We talk, I haven't talked about that yet, have we? What, what's next on yeah. the horizon? I'm going to keep doing lots of yeah. kind of mic mini ad adventures yeah. um lots with my family at, at the minute the challenges that i really want to get stuck into i've just mentioned cycling yeah. are that the, the kind of habit change that needs to happen to make our towns and cities more cycle friendly yeah, get nice. more people in bikes less cars on the roads yeah. you know less air pollution less congestion there are so many journeys yeah. that can be done by bike and that's a challenge yeah, to yeah. get people to to, to get on get on board with that yeah. and i and i think uh i think we can co convert people and yeah, and, yeah, definitely. Loads and, of and show like them yeah yeah so that you know that's where challenge lies okay. for me at the minute amazing um douglas has asked if everest was the same oxygen levels as sea level what would be the hardest part of the whole expedition it's a good question I do so, so excluding well. altitude from the challenge <laughs> what was the hardest part oh well, um, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, like, is it, you're right. It's if it was a sea level, sea level, obviously it'd be easier. But yeah, with the ice fall, what, uh, what was your experiences like going through the ice fall? Yeah, I mean that is, it is a terrifying place because yeah. it's so uncontrollable and yeah. unpredictable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I every time I went through it, and that was ten times in total. Wow. Really? Um, I suppose because your rotations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I breathed a sigh of relief when I got yeah. got through it. Um, so that, um, yeah, and just the, I mean, the weather, the yeah, yeah. the yeah. and the the cold, um, and yes, yeah, still you know the exposure. Yeah, I suppose when you're up and there's up. there's a big drop. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yes, that's, that's, I guess, that's a bit of a drop there. I guess yeah. it's hard, isn't it? Because you do it in sections, it's almost like, well, that was the hardest part of that bit, but that's it's behind true. me now. It's true. Yeah. Now, this is the, like, yeah, so some, I mean, um, a Sherpa that summited um, Everest a couple of times, I asked him what the ice fall was like, and he said, what was his example? It was quite poetic. He said, it's like walking through a lion's cage. You know the yeah. lion and it's relatively friendly, but at never at any point can you truly trust it. Yeah. And um, really good. something along that. those lines is very poetic. And I remember thinking about um, that. And I, I've only been to the, the foot on a, on a base camp trip. And what I don't think you get is a sense of scale. Mm. Like these blocks that from, you know, when you see them from a drone or a helicopter, it just looks like a snow that you could walk on. And actually, when you get to the edge of it, you realize that, why wow, this is a city. Yeah, you're, you're in amongst these blocks that are towering around you. And yeah, yeah you, you, there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to yeah. hide if, yeah. if something goes wrong. Favourite piece of kit? <clears throat> <laughs> uh, I think the thing that I take with me on any expedition, wherever yeah. I go, would be um, a buff. Yeah, nice. gator. I'm sure we got one for you here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, they have multiple uses yeah. uh, and very nice. good for, you know, keeping uh, moist yeah. at altitude. So dry. Making sure you're rebreathing moist air yeah. and not hurting your, your throat and, nice. and getting cold air in your lungs. Um, kind of go-to exercise for training. I know you do, obviously, with biking and stuff, it, when you're pre prepping for the big stuff, what was your go-to training exercise? Um, I mean... 
for cardiovascular yeah. stuff um running well trail running would be my my first love yeah. i mean that's what i do all the time at the minute nice. i'm much happier out on the trails than than in the gym but yeah. you know for some of my bigger challenges the gym had to come into play um just so I can monitor things a, a, yeah. a little bit more, although, you know, watches are good for that uh, yeah. these days. A bit of tech. Um, and, um, and weights and core yeah. um, and, and yoga just routinely um, nice. for me. For, yeah. yeah. Andrew Scott, I think, has asked, from my glasses, uh, how long did you actually spend on the summit? Oh, yeah. Amazingly, about 40, 40 minutes. Really? Longer than most. That is long, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what were you doing? Having a rest. Get the blanket out on the top. Um, I got to the top, and I uh, my first thought not wasn't I'm on the summit. It was yeah, yeah. I really need to sit down. But what if I sit down and I can't stand up again? Mm, what yeah. if I've used all my energy to get to the yeah. top and I've left nothing in reserve because you know your cognitive function is impaired yeah. and um, so sat down for a, a period of time uh, and looked at the view and, yeah. and took it in and I think Amazing. tried to eat something from the top pocket of my, my down suit yeah. I think my water had pretty much turned to like a slush puppy by this yeah. point in time um, and then yeah did some photos and thought um, yeah. time to get down now so um, was it quite warm for you or was it quite or was it Ultra cold on that. Uh, I mean, I didn't get a thermometer out, so yeah. I can't be sure, but it was certainly mine between minus 20 and minus yeah. oh, really? 30, I yeah. would say, up there. Yeah, you didn't want to take So you couldn't, gloves, like, take gloves, gloves off and no. very long. No. I was too scared to take my oxygen mask off because I knew that any moisture behind it yeah. would freeze instantly. Oh, really? And yeah. I was worried that if that froze, then it might contribute to my whole body yeah, yeah. temperature, even reducing by like a, a half a degree or a degree. Yeah. And I thought that could send me into a downward, downward spiral yeah. and I yeah. could just get caught. And so I was just trying to do everything to keep it this kind so of constant. So making all the things you were monitoring, you know, what, what do they call in a car, all the T's and P's, temps and pressures, <laughs> making really sure that you're still there. It? Yeah. You have to think about your body that way. Where, you know, naturally as human beings, we don't kind of behave like that, do we? But on these challenges, it's almost like they're systems that you want to mm. almost think about to protect, obviously, yourself. And yeah, it's interesting stuff, though. Yeah, because I thought if you're wearing a mask for a considerable amount of time, right, there's an urge to take it off and just be natural. And But I suppose uh, when you're at Everest, you can't just do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because otherwise, um, you know, like you said, it could spiral into something dodgy. Yeah, so even the little bit of video footage that I've got, which yeah. I did to, to camera on the mm. summit, I, I've got my mask on and I'm just shouting over yeah. the noise of the wind. Yeah. Because uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it was windy. Yeah. Um, Amazing. With, um, from Jane, actually, in terms of prepping for Everest then, what, what other mountains did you do to prepare or, you know, get you in, in the right, okay, I'm, I'm good now, I'm going to go for it? Um, specifically for altitude training, yeah. uh, we went to Kilimanjaro just nice. to look at how... Um, how we could do a, a nice, uh, you know, pr profile of yeah. sort of climb high, sleep low. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of, yeah, altitude and mountaineering skills, um, the year before, so the October before yeah. the March, um, we went to Choyo Yu. Awesome. Uh, the world's sixth yeah. highest mountain. Yeah, yeah. So for people who don't know, 8,201 metres. Yeah, it's challenging. And... Um, 
We climbed with Kenton Cool, who I'm nice. sure many people will have heard of. He has now, of course, 17 yeah, summits of Everest to his awesome, name. Isn't he, Kenton? Um, and Kenton said to us uh, in very early days, he said, look, you know, you've got to prove yourself. Yeah. on another 8,000 meter peak. Otherwise, there's no point spending your money yeah. or your time on Everest. And yeah. so um, so we went, three out of the four of us went to Choyoyu. And actually, out of the three of us, I was the only one that got reached the summit wow. uh, of our, our small team. Yeah. Yeah. The others got to about 7,000, just over 7,000 okay. meters. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was the thing that really made me really made me believe I could do yeah. it because I got to the top of Choyoyu, I looked across the Himalayas and I then it's, saw yeah. the summit of it's Everest. pretty much Penavan then on top, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like so 12 yeah. left. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. First Welsh yes. woman to do all 14. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, these, these bucket lists, they're, they're there, they're there for yeah. the taking. Um, I don't know... Um, if if that's where I'll I'll go, but who yeah. who knows? Who knows? Uh, there happens. are there are just so many adventures. You know, yeah. um, I'm excited about the adventures that I haven't done in Wales, let yeah. alone yeah. Um, elsewhere in the world at the moment. It does um, remind you, doesn't it? You can find adventure in many places, and although climbing Everest is awesome, there are so many other places you can go as well, and other mountains, other areas. Um, you know, obviously Everest Base Camp is, is great, <laughs> but there are, like you said, Killy, you know, there's other places that you can go and, and, and challenge yourself. Um, obviously if there's a first there, was it first, furthest or fastest? Is that what it is? <laughs> One of the, yeah. All Should the be Fs. All the Fs. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I know yeah. we've been talking about before, if there's, well, if there's something there, it does give you that, ooh, I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, someone asked actually around, around books, have you got a, do you reckon you've got a book in you? So I, um, I have written um, yeah. a short book. Um, it was part of the Quick Reads uh, series nice. uh, called Peak Performance. So that's um, specifically about Everest. Yeah. Then um, over the last couple of years, I've been really honoured to be featured in The Wondrous Women of Wales. <laughs> nice. um, I love that iteration. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So uh, <laughs> thanks to Meddy Jackson for that. Yeah. Um, and also Fantastic Female Adventurers uh, by Lily Jew. Um, those are both uh, really aimed at young younger yeah, people. Yeah. The first for sort of primary school age, the second more yeah. Yeah, teenage girls. Um, uh, so yes, um, nice. I, I would like to put a pen to paper and, and do some more in the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, why not? I definitely think there's a really epic one there. I think you could do a biography. <laughs> I think of your. Uh, whole life and I, I I'd buy it <laughs> I would 100% buy it but you've got to, I'm really interested because <clears throat> even though Everest is amazing I, I'm really interested in that Land's End Johnny Groat stuff mm. I think just because I think there were so many different bits to that I mean I'd, I'd love to hear about more about that in terms of you know if you're writing a book you know about that experience I know it's one of many things you've done but I've and there's so many because it obviously sounds like there's a lot of difficult parts to that there were just so yeah. many variables. Yeah. So we had to wait for the weather. Um, we, we recruited this fantastic uh, team made up of students from Liverpool yeah. John Moores University. Nice. And the, oh, Rosie. Uh, ah, <laughs> um, and, you know, the advert that we put out to them was, um, this is this is a journey, hopefully, from Land's End to John O'Groats. We don't know when it's going to start. We don't know yeah. how long it's going to take. And we don't know exactly what we need you to do. Yeah. But are you up for it? 
you know, and and. And we had a whole group of young people come back to us and say, yes, we'll be a part of it. And that's where these things really do. They kind of bring out the spirit of yeah. adventure yeah. in people where you're not quite sure exactly what the outcome is going to be, but people yeah. are willing to give it I love that, that effort I'm in. Uh, yeah. you, you know yeah. when it's like we don't know how long it's going to take we don't know what we're going to do we don't know what you're going to do yeah, but that just sounds that sounds awesome I don't know how hard it's going to be do you want to join I'm in yeah. I love that that's, yeah. that's one thing I love about adventure is it doesn't there's nothing quite like you know that feeling when you just suddenly say right I'm in and then that's it. The, the next however many years of your life are sort of completely... Because you, you've, you've almost then, it's almost accountability then, isn't it? As soon as you put it on social media, as soon as you tell, <laughs> it, it becomes tangible. Yeah. yeah. It's real. You know, and you're like, okay, I've got to do it now. <laughs> and the commitment is a, is a, is a big thing. Yeah. And, you know, telling people that you're going to do something yeah. is, is one step in that. Um, but also, I, I, think I, I think I want people to know as well that in committing to some of these things, I've also had to sacrifice yeah. things um, and so what in Everest in, you know I, I knew how little I saw my friends and my family in the yeah. 18 months that preceded Everest um, and yeah you, it's a big sacrifice yeah if, if you're going to focus on something you, you also need to say well what am I not going to do yeah. as well yeah. to allow myself um, to do this yeah I like that because naturally and I suppose when you sacrifice something it makes earning it that more rewarding, mm. I'd say, you know, because you really, especially as it, it's like, for instance, if you're trying to eat less chocolate, <laughs> you really enjoy the chocolate, but it feels good when, you know, you've, you've obviously done something because of giving up the chocolate as an example, you know, it does make that nicer in a mm. way. Yeah, no, really, really good stuff there. Really good stuff. I know yeah. just conscious of time. I think we've got a few more minutes. There's, um, would you, Simon's a, a really good question. Would you ever, obviously with, I know we've talked about going going back, doing other adventures. Is there ever any possibility of another Himalayan peak? Well, you never know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I'd be there tomorrow. Yeah. For me at the minute, I'm a, a different chapter in, in yeah. my life yeah. with family and, and kids, and that's just how I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and to give my kids and hopefully their friends, <laughs> you know, some really cool experiences and to help them because adventure, my goodness, you know, there are so many different tribes within the adventure world, aren't yeah. there? You might be a mountain lover, you might be an oceans lover yeah. um, to, and to help them kind of navigate their own way in amongst all of yeah. this, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there are so many different things you can do. And even within a sport, even within yeah. cycling, for example, you know, you might be a, a roadie, you might be a downhill mountain biker. Yeah. Um, and it's finding your thing and why it makes you tick. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. You know, road running versus trail running, all of, you know, this kind of stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. You've lit the torch and now you're handing it over to them to do with whatever they wish. Yeah. And I think that's great. And um, and, and I think they will discover downhill mountain biking is the correct, <laughs> is the correct really thing do. of cycling. Um, I tried, I was a roadie for three years and and you almost got run over and you're like, right, not again. No, I was like, if I'm, if I'm going to hurt myself, it's going to be my own stupidity. <laughs> but honestly, I loved it. I used to ride back and forth to Cardiff to work every day. But um, then I stopped going there. My commute to Reading was too far. 
Yeah, that was it. Be done. So uh, mountain biking yeah, is now good. Now I look, yeah, now I love the, the woods and the forests and yeah, stuff like that. And watching the watching it change throughout the year, mm-hmm. I've never been more uh, acutely attuned to the changes in the seasons as when I started mountain biking. Mm. Okay, you know, I can't. This time of year is great. All the mushrooms and stuff that are in the you know September and stuff. Say, you, you got those red pole stalls and stuff. That amazing. Well, look, it's been awesome having you on, and there's a lot. A lot of awesome advice there as well. Like just some of those bits. I know a lot of people, a lot of Evertrackers have got different challenges that they're facing. Um, certainly now is like the training. Mm-hmm. Some of them have just come back because we just finished the autumn trekking season in Nepal. Um, you know, literally, I think we our last group at Everest Base Camp is, I think they've got a couple more days and they're back. <clears throat> so yeah, it's been a, been a busy time, but they got the future stuff. So like, I'm sure they'll get a lot of value for that. So thanks for yeah. coming and, and joining us. Um, yeah, any final words, Dave? No, it's been great to hear your story. Yeah. I can't wait for that book. Um, uh, and yeah, Jerome's got a good title for it as well. Um, he said, uh, what is it called? The History of Climbing. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome, Thank trust you. He's, 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 we call Jerome the uh, designated um, rock. There you are. Because he, he collects rocks. And we'll ah. save that there so he's not going to come for any credit uh, or anything like that. We, we've got it that he's given that away. But no, Tori, <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, it's thank been amazing you. to hear your story and um, yeah, find out about all the things. Keep us up to date with everything you're doing in the future. Definitely. I will. And I'll be following your progress as well. Yep. Thank you. Awesome. Well, have fun, everyone. We'll thank be back, um, we back got- next week. Yep. Still live, Zach, I take it. <laughs> yep. We haven't got the button now, so we're going to have to go. Okay, I know. We're Zach, go thank like, you. This you, is, you can do it for this us. This is where you fade us out, Zach, and put some music on. <laughs> no, great stuff. Thanks, guys. Bye, we'll see you. Um, we'll catch you next week. We'll be back at Tuesday next week, 12.30. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see you there. <laughs>